Welcome everyone to this episode of Christian Historical Fiction Talk. I am your host, author Liz Tolsma, and I'm so glad that you decided to join me. If it is happening in the world of Christian historical fiction, you can be sure that we are talking about it. I'm also very excited to welcome a special guest to the episode today. But before we get going with her, I just wanted to remind you that if you have not subscribed to Christian Historical Fiction Talk on your favorite podcasting platform, please go ahead and do so as soon as possible. That way you'll get notified when new podcasts are released so you don't miss a single thing. Also, be sure to check out the show notes. We will have links to the books that we talk about today as well as to this author's website on those show notes. And you can find that at christianhistoricalfiction.buzzsprout.com. So be sure to check that out when we're finished here. Today's guest is a native of Santa Fe, New Mexico, and she has always loved reading. So it was no surprise to her when she turned her love for reading into a love for writing. When she's not writing or editing or dreaming up new stories, she can be found poking around old Civil War battlefields, old forts, and museums with her husband. If you haven't guessed it yet, our guest today is author Michelle Shockley, and she is here to talk a little bit about her life and her writing, and more specifically, her new book, Under the Tulip Tree. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Why don't you just start off and introduce yourself to the listeners? Okay, I'm Michelle Shockley. My husband and I have been married for about 33 years. We met in college and we have two grown sons. They live in Texas where we lived for about 30 something years before we moved to the Nashville area in 2017. My husband and I work as estate caretakers, so that means we live and work on big, beautiful farms and ranches, and we've been doing this for about eight years, and we absolutely love it. And so it gives me a little bit of extra time to write, especially now that the boys are grown, but um, writing is definitely something I only do on the weekends for the most part, but in the evenings, I might want to sit down and do some research. And that was how I started getting the idea for Under the Tulip Tree was after we moved to the Nashville area, I was just immersed in all of this history in this area. And so that was how the book kind of, the idea kind of got started. Well, that's the most interesting job I think I've ever (laughs) heard of being an estate caretaker. How did you come about doing something like that? Well, uh, when we lived in Texas, I was mostly a stay-at-home mom, but I also had a part-time job where I helped older people in their homes. And I did that part-time for about 20 years while the boys were in school. And after our youngest son graduated from high school, and they both went, went off to college, I told my husband, let's do something different. Let's do something together. So we started researching jobs for couples, and there's actually a website, workingcouples.com, that has all kinds of jobs for couples. And one of them ended up being an estate caretaker for a ranch. And because of my background of working in private homes, that kind of got us our foot in the door. And uh, we've been doing this for 
almost eight years, almost actually nine years, and we absolutely love it. Wow, that is really cool. So I suppose, like you said, living in the Nashville area where there's so much history and being caretakers of these large estates, is that what got you interested in writing historical fiction? Well, yes and no, but I have always loved to read historical fiction. I think back to my teenage years when not trashy romance novels, but romance novels were set in historical settings, and I just fell in love with those, and those have always been my favorite. I've gravitated towards, you know, Francine Rivers' early books and just a lot of the historical authors that just write in that time period, that was what I wanted to read. And so as I began having ideas of my own books, they were always historical. But I do love history. My history teacher from high school would be shocked to hear me say that. But I love history. I love researching it. And I am, you know, I can probably research for hours and days and have maybe two or three sentences come into the book with all that research because I just love it so much. It is so easy to get caught up in all of that rich history and and wonderful research that it can be hard to tear yourself out of that and make yourself actually write the book that you're supposed to be writing. That is so true. And I'm glad to hear another author say that because that describes me perfectly. So do you do most of your research then before you start your books or are you researching as you go along doing the writing? I like to get a good part of the research done prior to writing the book, but I think as I get going and start the story, I usually end up researching as I go for different things that come up that I hadn't, you know, researched prior to to starting the book. So when you started writing, why did you want to write for the Christian market as opposed to the general market? You know, that's a great question, and it's one that I've, I've really thought about over these years. And I've always known that writing, for me, was also going to be a ministry, not necessarily to always have conversion scenes in my books because actually I really don't but I feel like writing is just such a part of the gifts that God has given me and I definitely want to use them in in a way that will bring him glory I I don't want to ever take for granted what he's given me and just use it for my own self my own pleasures So the Christian market was definitely where I wanted my books to go. I hope that readers who are not Christians will also read them and enjoy them, but there's always going to be a thread of faith in all of my books. So tell us then a little bit more about Under the Tulip Tree. I have to admit, it's the first book that I've read of yours, and I absolutely loved it. It was so well done and so beautiful. But tell us, what was the inspiration? Well, first of all, tell us what the book is about. Okay. Under the Tulip Tree is based on the Federal Writers Project Slave Narratives of 1936. So to have a little history lesson, back in the Depression days when people were out of work, 
The president created the New Deal programs, and one of them was the Federal Writers Project. And what it did was employ people who had a love of words or history, teachers, writers, things, people like that. And what they did was they fanned out around 17 states, across 17 states, and they interviewed former slaves. And they're just, they're word for word interviews from these people. And when I discovered them probably eight or nine years ago, I was just completely captured by them. Being captivated, I don't think that's pro the pro probably the proper word for what I'm trying to explain, but their stories just really hit me. They hit me in my heart. And I was researching slavery for my plantation books that are set in Texas, and I wanted the slave characters to be authentically Texas slaves. I didn't want to use generalities, and so that was how I discovered slave narratives from Texas slaves. And ever since then, the little research book that I purchased, it, it's called I Was Born in Slavery. It has gone with me everywhere I go. It, it goes on vacation. It stays on my bedside table. It stays on my desk. And when I was thinking about writing a new book, I didn't know what I wanted to write, but I knew I wanted to keep telling their story somehow. And just one day, the story of Frankie just kind of filled my mind, and I jumped up and I started to write down notes, and I realized that that's the story I wanted to tell, was the Federal Writers Project story of a, a young white woman who goes to interview a former slave, and I knew it had to be told in a split-time story because I wanted Frankie to tell her own story. I didn't want to narrate her story. So that's how that all came about. So the, was this your first split-time fiction book then? Yes, it was my first split-time and my first time to attempt writing in first person. So it was all very new, but it was all kind of very exciting too because I felt like Frankie and Renna both just were telling me their stories kind of in the same way that the slave, the former slaves told the federal writers interviewers. And I kind of felt like that's how it was going along. I was just kind of dictating their, I mean, they were dictating their stories and I was just copying it down. Isn't that neat when that happens? I think that's, that's so cool and something maybe people who aren't authors don't understand, but I often feel that way writing too, that I'm just writing down what the characters are telling me. They're just telling me their stories and I'm writing it down. And that's, that's really cool to know that I'm not the only one who does it that way. Mm -hmm. No, and I really liked that that's the way it happened because I really wanted Frankie to tell her own story. And it's really a powerful story. So did you take some of the stories that you had read and, and kind of mash them together to make this book? Is that how it came about? I think in a way, yes, because I read probably well over a hundred of the narratives because I just wanted to really have a feel for how they were told and how they, how the individual told their own story. And um, so, yes, there are bits and pieces of a lot of different former slave stories that all are comprised into Frankie's story. So, yeah, that was how her character developed. 
And some of the places that you mention in the book are actual places, aren't they? Yes. Um, just about every place other than the Halls Plantation, which was a made-up plantation, although I have a specific plantation in mind for that place. But yeah, all, all around the Nashville area, the um, Fort Negley is a real place you can go and visit. It doesn't look exactly like it did back then, but you can get a feel for where the contraband camp was that I have Frankie and Sam living in. And um, of course, downtown Nashville, there's still a lot of historic buildings there. So yeah, it was really neat to be able to go to these places and kind of envision my characters there. And it's neat that it was all sort of in your backyard. So I suppose that made research pretty easy for this book then, would you say? Yes, uh, that was definitely one of the reasons why I chose Nashville. Although I didn't, before I moved here, before we moved here in 2017, I was not familiar with the Battle of Nashville or the Battle of Franklin. So it was after we moved here and I started learning all of that. And I thought, yes, this is where the book needs to be set for sure. And I think you do a great job in making the area really come alive. It, it shows that you were actually able to visit these places and you knew them intimately. That shines through. It really lends an air of authenticity to the book. That is good to hear because that's what I was striving for. Did you have a particular theme in mind when you wrote the book, especially dealing with uh, Rena and Frankie? I didn't really have a theme in mind, but themes developed as the story progressed. What I wanted to show was an older woman, not necessarily a black woman, but she is, just kind of mentoring along a, a young, a younger woman. It's their friendship is at the heart of the story. But there's a lot of, of obviously, there's a lot of racial reconciliation that goes on between them because of the connections they discover and forgiveness was certainly something that Frankie was going to have to find on her own after what she'd been through. She was going to have to figure out how to forgive. I think in life, all of us eventually have to figure that out. And so that was, that was what I wanted her story to be, to, to end up being. When you wrote the book, you mentioned that it's an old slave woman and a young white woman. It's a young white woman who had a very privileged upbringing until the time of the Great Depression. And even after that, her mother tries to keep up this semblance of what their life used to be like. So there's that racial divide. There's that class divide. When you wrote that book, did you have any inkling of how timely it would end up being when it was released? There really was no way that I could have known that when I started writing that book in 2018, that it would release into a, a world of 2020 where there's so much division, there's so much on the news every day, and there's just a lot of conversations that are going on that really are the same conversations that people were, were probably having in 1936 or should have been having for sure. You know, that's the beauty of writing with God. 
you know, not writing for God, but writing with him because he already knew the answer to that question, even though I didn't. Yeah. And it's really a beautiful way of showing that we can all get along with each other and we have more in common than we really believe that we do. And I just found their story to be so beautiful and so touching. And especially in the light of everything that's going on in our country right now, just very timely. And I think a lot of people would do well to read the book and try to understand both sides of the equation right now. Yes. And, you know, I'm right there with everybody else. I That was what I wanted the story to to get into I wanted it to be a part to to be a part of that conversation that's happening. I hope this book will become part of that conversation. How long in general does it take you to write a book like this? From start to finish it took me a, a year. I tend to be a bit of a slow writer and I get slower every year as I age because I don't have I just, I can't stay up late and write like I used to. I don't get up early. So, but um, about a year between the research, the writing and, and getting it all ready for the publisher. And other than the research, what do you like best about writing? I like that the characters that are living in my head finally get to have a voice on a page or, or in a book. You know, I, I know you understand this. There are just always people talking to me. I, I look out the window and I can envision somebody out there having a conversation with somebody else. And I just always am ha I'm hearing things. And it's not that I hear voices, but I think my imagination from even when I was a little girl is just very vivid. And I just I really like that. I like finally getting to give story to them. Yeah, it's a lot of fun when you can finally hear their voice and flesh out their story, and that's one of my favorite parts of it, too. Like you said, these characters live in our inside of our heads, and I don't know if readers understand how long sometimes <laughs> these characters actually live inside our heads before they are able to get out. <laughs> that is so true. And you said you only write on the weekends? Yes, for the most part. I, I try to write in the evenings. I wish I could write more during the week, but we do work full time. So by the time I get home and it's evening, my brain cells are kind of gone. I hear you. I get that part, definitely. <laughs> we were actually, this is the first time we've spoken to hear each other's voices, but we were actually in a Barber Novella collection together, weren't we? Yes, the Mail Order Brides collection, and it came out in 2018. So, yes, I have, I have known you, and I loved your story in that book, and I was very pleased to be a part of that collection. And I think what's funny about that is that in that Mail Order Brides collection, we both had Mail Order Brides that were confederate war widows so i just found that mm -hmm. to be sort of ironic you have to refresh my memory was your book set in texas too or new mexico that's right new mexico right yes 
It was in New Mexico because that's where I grew up and I wanted to set a story in my state. Okay, very cool. Well, that was a lot of fun to be part of that with you. And was that your very first published work? No, that was actually my third. My plantation novels that are set in Texas, those were my first published novels. So what's next on the horizon for you? I am working on another time slip, and it's actually still set in Nashville, although the years are different. The contemporary story, if you want to call it that, is set in 1961, and then the historical part is in 1897. And I am loving this, the, the research that I'm getting to do. I'm not too far into the story. I, I don't have a contract for it yet, so I'm still kind of trying to flesh out that whole story. But I'm digging into a lot of research about the Tennessee Centennial Exposition that was held in 1897. So that's been a lot of fun. That does sound interesting. And 1961 is a different time era than a lot of people write. That's that's very unusual and different. Yes, it was a, an interesting time in Nashville. There was a lot going on with segregation and just a lot of civil rights things were going on. So that was why I chose that year. And does that play into your book? Yes, it will. Not not real strongly, but there are characters who are involved in it. So it, it does. Well, that sounds really interesting, and I hope you that you get a contract for that and that we can read that in the very near future. I hope so, too. So do you have any last words that you'd like to share with the listeners or anything you'd like them to know about you or writing or anything? Um, just that I really enjoy sharing these stories about People who are just like us, who are traveling through this world and have highs and lows and victories and failures and ultimately trust God with their lives. And that's the stories that I'm trying to tell in these books. And I think you do a marvelous job of that. We will have the links to Michelle's books and to her website in the show notes, but where else can readers connect with you? I am on all the social media platforms. I love being on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I'm usually a lurker for the most part, but I do enjoy connecting with readers through all of those places. So look me up. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's really been a pleasure getting to talk to you, and we wish you the best with all of your future endeavors and are looking forward to what's coming next from you. Thank you very much, Liz. Well, that just about does it for today's episode. So join me next time when we take a look at some of the best Christmas releases this year. That's right. It is that time of year, isn't it? Time to snuggle up with a good Christmas book, a fire in the fireplace, a cup of hot chocolate, and enjoy the holiday season. So I'll get you all set with that for a roundup of some of what is coming out this Christmas. And let me tell you folks, there's a lot of good Christmas historical fiction coming out in 2020. Also, as I said at the beginning, be sure to check out Michelle's information on the show notes, and those can be found at christianhistoricalfiction.buzzsprout.com. And while you're poking around on the internet, I'd love it if you'd stop by my website, 
which is liztolsma.com. You can find out more about me there and more about my books. I also have a new Christmas release you might want to check out while you're there. It's called A Joyful Christmas. Thank you once again for spending this time with me, and we will see you next time. Mm -hmm.